thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you go in your Bibles or your smartphone or your smart whatever you have, uh, turn to it and we'll look at the Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to read verses 15 through 20 as we get into our message. Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning with verse 15. Moses speaking here. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you, Moses said to them today, that you shall surely perish and shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you, notice this, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Say, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and you may cling to him. For he is your life, the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Our title today on this groundbreaking series is Choose Life. Say it again, choose life. Turn to someone and say, choose life. And mean it. Turn to someone on the other side. Choose life. That's what we want to do. Choose life. As we enter into 2017, we want to choose life. The setting at this particular, when this is happening in the book of Deuteronomy, is Moses is at the end of his life. Uh, He's about 120 years old by now. Uh, And he's writing this book. He wrote, wrote the first five books of what you know to be your Bible. Deuteronomy is the fifth of, that, of those five books. Deuteronomy means these are the words, or we could say these are the words of Moses, and that's exactly what it means. They're located now on the edge of the Promised Land. They're in the plains of Moab on the east part of Israel, what is modern-day Jordan today, or the south part of Jordan, uh, in the area of Moab. And they're on the outskirts of the promised land. Moses is not crossing over. And uh, we don't have time to go into why. Joshua is going to lead them. He's going to take over very shortly. These are the final days. So it's the final instructions. Hear me on this. Moses, think about a great leader, what he would be thinking of. And Moses was a great leader, used of God in a very powerful way. We look to Moses as an example of leadership for our homes, for our businesses, for our churches. So Moses, heavy on his heart at this time, is that they're moving over there. I'm not going in with them. So I've got 
some final words to say. What would he say? I'm sure that he would weigh his words carefully. They would be important words that he would say. They're entering a new season to a place that God has promises, promised them. Chapters 1 through chapter 3, there's a, there's a, a recalls their history from the time that they left Egypt. And they're moving through the parting of the Red Sea. So he recalls their history and how God has been faithful to them and led them in the wilderness, provided manna from heaven and water from the rock, etc., etc. Brought them to the edge of the promised land one other time, 40 years earlier than this. But at that time, because of doubt and unbelief, that they were turned back to the wilderness to live another 40 years wandering in the wilderness area. Joshua and Caleb were the only two leaders who were going to go over into the promised land that were with them the first time they were there. Chapters 4 through 26 reminds them of the laws of God. So recall the history in the beginning. Now there's a reminder of them of the laws of God. Chapters 27 through 30 recite the new conditions of the covenant that God has made with them. Now, as you read chapters 27 through 30, you find Moses trying to prepare them, as mentioned, for what God really wants them to do. Verse 29, and I'm paraphrasing this and some other things I'll add to it, basically what Moses is saying and trying to encourage them with some very positive words based on God's promises, the Lord wants to bless you, he's telling them. The Lord wants to do great things in your sight. The Lord wants you to prosper. The Lord wants you to grow in grace and the knowledge of him. The Lord wants to pour his favor. He wants to shine his face upon you. He wants the rest of the world and the nations of the people see that you are a favorite of God. God wants to do great things as they move into the promised land. But that's not the only option that lies in their future. They're on the edge of the promised land, and this could go down one or two of two ways. Uh, blessing or curse is in their future. Life or death, Moses said, is in your future. Or good or evil. There are two roads before you as you make this journey in front of you. Here's what Moses said, the choice is yours. Say it with me. The choice is yours. And that's the word to us today. For 2017, life or death, blessing or cursing, the choice is ours. We have a big part to play in it. Now, God wants blessing, but the choice is yours. God wants to give you a good life, but the choice is yours. God wants you to walk in the fulfillment of all these promises that we read in the Bible, but the choice is yours. And if you don't get there, you have no one to blame but yourself. That's what Moses said. These are his final words. It's really, it's simple. doesn't mean it's simple and easy to carry out, but it's, instructions are simple. Here's what's before you. Here's what I've been telling you. Here's what God's been sharing with us. Now you're there. Here we are, 2017. Many of us have walked with the Lord a long time. Others have recently come into this walk of grace, and you're discovering that he's a good God. 
You're hearing that he has good things ahead for you. But always remember the choice is yours. Whether or not you believe them, you accept them, you're committed to them or not. There are two roads that you can journey. Now, every morning we get up in 2017, there are three vital choices that you need to make. I want to give you those three today. I believe they come out of this context of this text, what Moses is saying. But there are three vital, vital meaning absolutely necessary to live. You have vital organs, absolutely necessary that you have them or you won't live. These are vital choices. Three choices before you start your day that will determine whether this is a day of blessing or curse, good or evil, life or death, every day. Number one, here's the first choice that we need to make, and that is you got, you've got to make a choice to be committed, say committed, to the commandments of God or to the Word of God to the commandments of God or to the Word of God. You've got to be, and the key word here is what? Committed. Say it again. Committed. I want to say that over and over again. If we're going to have life, if we're going to have blessing, if we're going to have good in our life, there has to be a commitment on our part. You've got to commit to it. We call New Year's resolution. I want to commit to a new life and some new things that want to happen in, in my life. So we make resolutions. Listen, but in our walk with God, we've got to be committed to what is going to bring blessing in our life. We're the benefactors of it, but there's a commitment. So when I wake up, I have to make up my mind to be committed to what God has commanded. Chapter 27 through 30, more than 20 times, just in those three chapters, 20 times in the three chapters, Moses commands and encourages and warns the children of Israel to stay committed to the ways of God. It's, it's repeated over and over again, not counting all the other times it's mentioned in the first five books. More than 20 times, Moses tells them to obey God, to, to observe his commandments, to observe his judgments, to, to pay particular attention to his statutes, all referring to the Word of God and the value, say value, the value of God's Word. You see, God's word is his voice. He spoke his word into existence. So it's as if we're listening to the voice of God. And if you were to say, well, listen, are you committed to hearing God's voice? Oh, sure, I want to hear God's voice. Well, here it is right before you. Called the book, the Bible. It's God's word. And God speaks through his word. Now, I know that many of you would say, listen, I... I don't know, I don't have time for the Word, or I'm not a very good reader, and I can't really memorize. Why doesn't God just speak to me? Well, He wants to, through His Bible, through the Word. He wants to speak clearly to you. This is God's will for you. So over and over again, walk in the ways of God. Don't wander to the left or to the right. Write the Word of God in your heart. Obey the voice of God. Make a decision. Moses says, if you do, you can't go wrong. 2017, you cannot go wrong if you commit to the value of the Word of God in your life. If you obey Him, you're going to reap blessing of joy and of life. If, if you do what the Lord tells you, you'll experience the fullness of 
of God's grace and God's glory. Man, that's what I want. I, I, I've experienced God's grace. I've experienced his glory. But I know there's so much more for me to experience. I know there's so much more that God has for me. I know that 2017, there's still part of the promised land I'm moving into. There's still ground that needs to be broken, ground that needs to be taken. You know, we're not through until Jesus comes back. We don't give up until we see the face of Jesus. So whether he takes us home to be with him or he literally comes back and we see him face to face, what a day that will be. We're committed. We've got to commit to following his word. This is his instruction until he does come back. Now, here, here's why it's so important. Every morning I wake up, every morning you wake up, you're challenged with a choice on how you're going to handle life. How are you going to handle life? When I think about my schedule, when I think about my calendar, when I think about my agenda, when I think about the things I, I need to do, when I wake up, when I begin to think about all those things, I know some decisions are going to have to be made. I know I can react one way or another way. I know that if I run into a conflict that day, I can either react according to God's Word and His way, or I can react out of self. I could react out of flesh. I could react out of a, a selfish motive or agenda to get my way. But I need to decide, God, I don't want that. I want your way. Because when I decide to take it God's way, guess what? It brings blessing. Now, my mind, that might not register. God... If I don't do this, you know, we, we rationalize it and we think about it. But when you do it God's way, it will work out. There will be blessing that comes. That's why the Old Testament and the New Testament, both the Old and the New, look what it says about the Word. Psalm 33 says, for the Word of the Lord is, it's a great verse, right. Say right. The Word of the Lord is right. Listen, I'm wrong most of the time. The world's wrong. My culture's wrong, but God's word is right. Therefore, I need to know his word. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. Lord, how do I stay pure today? How do I keep my thoughts, Lord God? Just how, how do I bring them into captivity to the Spirit of God? It's God's word that's going to help me do that. Psalm 119, 107, revive me, O Lord. How do I get revived? Where am I going to get my strength today, God? Where am I going to get the energy to really carry out? It's a busy schedule, Lord. His Word can minister that to you. Psalm 119, again, verse 162, I rejoice at your Word as one who finds what? Great treasure. So when you, when you begin to commit yourself to the Word and know the Word and memorize the Word and, I mean, chew it up and hunger for it, it just, it's a great treasure that you find. Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. How ridiculous would it be for anyone to go out to battle without a weapon? Go into a jungle. I'll tell you, that's what you do every single day. You're going out into a jungle, folks. It's called this world we live in. It's paved here in America. But it's a jungle, nevertheless. So you're going out there. It'd be ridiculous to go. And yet, 
week after week we don't read this and all we do is come here on Sunday and hear someone else tell us about the Word and we expect to have a sword that's sharp and is going to win our battles for us? Doesn't make sense. Common sense alone would say, I better be committed to God's Word if I'm going to win in this battle. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, let the Word dwell in your hearts and all its richness. It is rich with everything that we need. That's why we need to read the Bible in 2017. So you know what God requires of you. How else are you going to know? How else are the children of Israel, when, when he's saying that you commit to his commandments, why? They have, have to heard them. They've had to discuss them. They had to meditate upon them. And the same thing is true with us. How are we going to know how to respond unless we read it, we talk about it, we meditate upon it, we memorize it? Now, I know I'm saying something, and some of you are saying, listen, I'm too busy. Listen, if you're too busy to do that, then you're choosing. You're choosing right there what you want. Blessing or curse, life or death, good or evil. You make a choice every morning. Now note this carefully. It doesn't matter how much you want to be right. Hear me. If you don't know his word, you can't get it right. You might want to do what is right. Your being here tells me, I want to live my way the right way. I, I, I want to find out how. Listen, that tells me, but how are you going to get it right unless you know his word? Passion can never make up for ignorance. You could have a passion, and I've seen people have passion. They're touched by God. They experience God's presence, and, and they, they begin to trans, but they don't get into the Word. They, they're not committed to it. They're still committed to a hundred other things, and they throw their walk with God in the, in the whole pot with all these hundred other, and they expect it to work out. It doesn't matter how much you want to walk in righteousness. If you are ignorant of his ways or the ways of God and the word of God, you won't know how to walk in the ways of righteousness. This book tells you this is the way of righteousness. This is how you should live your life. So it hit me this week why I've watched so many people come and go, come and go. Listen, this building, there would not be a building, a stadium in Denver that would hold the people that have come and have gone. They've heard, but they've come and gone. Why? They did not commit to go on to maturity. They did not commit. What are you committing to in 2017? How valuable is it to you? Do you want to know his ways above your own ways? Then you've got to know his word. Got to know his word. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Now, notice through his instructions here. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. Teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens and the earth." I mean, here's how important. He said, listen, 
The Word of God, he said, when you sit, when you walk, when you stand, when you rise, when you go to bed, all day long, the Word. So there were instructions that here's, here, keep it before you. Keep the Word of God before you. Do we do that as Christians today? Do, do, are we that sold out? Are we that committed that we keep the Word of God? You know, back as you go out these doors, you'll see on the side, when you go out today, you can look at it. When we designed and when we finished building this, one of the things we did, we put mezuzahs. And you'll see it. Here's a picture of it on the doorpost going out there. This was a gift from the city of Ariel when we opened up the door. So that mezuzah there is a little container. If you were to open that, there's Scripture in there. Deuteronomy is in the, on the parchment in there. They were told to do this. Put it on your doorpost, among other things that they do. As a reminder, do you know when I see a mezuzah, do you know what I think of? The Word of God. Now you say, well, that was the Old Testament. That was the law. We don't have to do that anymore. Okay, if you don't do that, what are you doing? Come on. What are you doing? If you're not putting them on a mezuzah, where are you doing it? We're supposed to write it on our heart. Well, how do you write it on your heart? With a pen? No, you memorize it. You talk about it. You meditate it. You go to Bible study. You go the extra mile. You're just not spoon-fed by the pastor for 35 minutes on Sunday. No, you're committed in 2000. If you want life, if you want blessing, if you want good to come your way, if you want your days prolonged, if you want your inheritance to be passed down to your children, that's how committed we need to be. Well, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> on this stage, before we laid this wood floor, God put it on our hearts and we walked over here and we wrote scriptures on worship and praise all over this stage. I knew where the pulpit was going to be and wrote on here the value of the Word of God is under my feet. We wrote it there because we knew that the Word of God had to be important to us as a ministry. If we're going to have life, if we're going to have blessing. I thought about doing this. You know, these sticky notes are a great invention. So if we, we ought to get a pad of sticky, sticky notes, you know, get them. And big enough where you write scriptures on them. You want, I was going to paste them all over this pulpit today. But envision that. But look, get them. Put them in your house. Put them on your mirror. Put them at the kitchen sink. Memorize the Word of God so when you walk by, why? We get busy, folks. We get involved in other things. There's all kinds of commitments. We need something to remind us. Wow, that's too legalistic. I, I'm not going to do that. I live under grace. All right, what are you going to do? That's all I ask. He promised them that it will work. He said, if you do this, it's going to work. But here's what he did not promise them, that it would be easy. He said, it's going to work. But it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to always be instinctive. You're not just going to know what to do. You're going to have to commit yourself to this. You're going to have to discipline. Paul, New Testament writer, living under grace, said, I discipline my body. I buffeted my body. I do something. 
That's what fasting is all about. That's what prayer is all about. No, it's not going to be instinctive. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to fit into your agenda. But that tells you how far off our agenda is from God's. Wow, getting quiet. Didn't mean for it to. Commitment to the Word of God. Why? Because they're going to face some battles. They're going to face some battles. They're going to commit to the Word of God. Commitment has to be stronger than your struggle. Let me say that again. Your commitment to God's Word has to be stronger than your struggle. You're going to run up against some struggles. Some are going to be stronger than others. But your commitment to God's Word better be stronger than your struggle. In other words, you've committed to God's Word that when you do come against a struggle, strong one, you're already prepared for the day of battle. You're already there because you've committed. And I have strong commitment. You're going to be strong in the day of battle that you're going to win. There's going to be all kinds of temptations. So number one, be committed to God's word and you'll see the fullness of his promises. The second one, as we think about moving ahead, embrace grace. Embrace the gift of grace. I'm going to take a moment to explain this. Embrace grace. The gift of grace. Now, Moses, listen carefully to this. As I tell it, as it's happening there with Moses and the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, how it relates to us today. Moses shares with the people. He said, you're about to go to a place you did not earn. I, I, I saw grace in the Old Testament clearer than I've ever seen it. Here, you're going to a place you did not earn. And the only reason you're going is because I made a promise to your father, Abraham. He said, that's the only reason I'm taking you in. Uh, You're about to live in houses you did not build. You're about to reap fruit you did not work for. You're about to take over some riches that are not yours. He said, everything you are about to possess has nothing to do with you. It's strictly a gift of God's grace. That's what, it, that's what that's all about. Look at the verse here, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, he said, the Lord God will, bring, will soon bring you into the land he swore to give to you when you made a vow to your, which he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns that you did not dig. You're going to eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. That's a picture of grace. You don't deserve it, but that's what I'm going to do for you. That's grace. It's a picture of God's grace. Moses is dealing with God's people for a long time now. He knows the way they are. If anyone knows, Moses knows. He's been with them. He's watched them. It wasn't always pleasant for Moses. How many know it wasn't always pleasant? Moses has some tough times leading the people. They challenged Moses and God over and over and over again. And yet here they are on the edge of the promised land. They're there, but they've been challenging God. They doubted, they rebelled, they were stiff-necked. 
They committed idolatry. They were disobedient. And here they are still there. Do you know what that says to me? It's a God of grace. He forgives. I had a pause. It happened yesterday. I was writing this out, putting the final notes on it, and I added this yesterday. I had a pause in my study as I thought about that and God's grace. I had to reflect on the grace working in my life. And there I am sitting in my study. It's, it's warm in my house. It's cold outside. I'm looking at pictures of my grandchildren on the wall, and I'm reminded of the blessings of the Lord. I'm looking at pictures of vacation spots that we went to, and I'm saying, God, you allowed us to go to these vacation spots. I've got two cars in my driveway. I'm reminded of the grace of God. And I cried. I said, God, I'm sitting here today in luxury, in prosperity, in the blessings of God. And Lord, it's your grace. Why? Because I've been stiff-necked. I've been rebellious. I've served my idols. Lord, I haven't always believed you. I've rebelled at times. I've been stubborn, oh God. But for the grace of God, God, when I turned to you and repented, you forgave me and said, come on, keep going. And he said that to me all my walk. And he will say it to you. Embrace the gift of grace. God presents. Here, here, here's, the, here's the battle. Here's why I'm pointing this out. Because there's a battle over grace. <laughs> and here's how it happens. Every time you're presented with the gift of grace, there's an enemy to try to remind you that you're guilty. You don't deserve it. You blew it. Look at the way you handled that. Wow, you're not such a good guy. Look at the thoughts that you entertained in your mind this week. And you think you deserve this? There's this battle that goes on between gift, grace and guilt. And he tried to make you guilty, make you shamed and feel condemned. And this battle goes on. But here's what God said. God said, if you'll repent, if you ask for forgiveness, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, if you'll come back to me, I will forgive you. I will take you into the promised land. And that's what God does. That's grace. And if you're going to get anywhere in 2017, you're going to have to embrace that gift. Now, that should not be liberty to do what you want to do. That's what Romans chapter 6 tells us right in the beginning verses. Because this grace is so, so uh, there for you, don't take advantage of it. Just don't go on living in sin. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. No. But also, let's accept it where it is. Let's lay hold of it so that we can go on. There's this battle. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, Moreover, it says, The law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounds, you know the verse, grace what? Abounds what? You know, if I'll interpret this, I don't think I'm wrong, there's always more grace than sin. Maybe you missed that. 
There's always more grace than sin. God's grace is more than efficient or sufficient. God's grace is available to us. But then again, if you confess, if I repent, if I tell God I'm sorry, I'm going to learn from it. Over and over, he's saying this to the children of Israel. He said, I know you're going to mess up. You know, and that's the thing about it. God knows you're going to mess up in 2017. Do you think he doesn't know? He knows you're going to blow it. He knows you're going to come short. He knows you're not always going to respond the way you should respond. He knows you're not always going to be that loving husband or that loving wife. He knows that you're not going to treat people the right way on the job. He knows that, but he's still with us. That's grace, folks. That's God's love and his grace. And that's how bent he is to take us in to the promised land. So number one, be committed to the word of God or to the commandments of God. Number two, embrace the gift of grace. Number three. Now, remember, these are decisions every morning. Every morning you make this decision. God, I commit to your ways today. And as I'm saying that, I'm already thinking about a scripture I want to read. <laughs> know the value of getting in the word of God that day. I'm going to commit, Lord, to accepting and, Lord, the grace that, Lord, when I do blow it, when I do mess up, I want to be quick to repent, oh God. Holy Spirit, help me to re repent. And then accept that grace and move on. Number three, surrender to the sovereignty of God. Surrender to the sovereignty of God. There's one commandment that is found repeated over many, many times. If in first part, for, there's one commandment that keeps coming up. And what is it? It's the first commandment. And the first commandment simply says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Why? You see, the reason God raised up the children of Israel is they were to be different. Because the people up until raised up Abraham, the people were worshiping all kinds of gods, all kinds of idols they were worshiping. But he said, you're going to be different. You're going to worship the one true living God. You're going to worship a God that you can't make a figure out of. You're going to worship a God that's omnipotent. You're going to worship, worship a God that knows all things and, 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 and can do all things. This is the kind of God that you're going to worship. This is what I want you, the world to see. So have no other gods because you're going to destroy the testimony. We as believers, the same callings on our life. But why is he so bent on them not worshiping other gods? And yet, you know what's so ironic about it? The one thing they did over and over and over again was worship idols. It started from the very beginning. When Moses went up to the mountain, they made an idol. They lost patience. So, God's adamant about that. And here's the answer. Here's why God's so adamant about it. Is that when you bow to an idol... You are surrendering control of your life over to something that has no power. Has no power. And, and God, almost scratching his head, would have to say, you, you, you're, you're bowing to a fake of who I am. You're, you're surrendering your destiny to a fraud. Now, you might say, well, 
You're talking about idols. You're, you're, I mean, you lost me when you start talking about idols. You lost me with worshiping other gods. I don't do that, don't you? Don't you? What consumes your mind most of the day? It's an idol. What, what do you put your trust in that you, you're worried about it? So, listen, you know, finances can be an idol. Can be an idol. Listen, I, I want to be careful here, but even sicknesses can be an idol. That's not to minimize someone's sickness, but if you're consumed and that sickness becomes your God and leads and controls and governs your life, you're not believing the sovereign God who's sovereign over sickness. Someone who's sovereign over the finances in your life. Someone's sovereign over that, that, that broken relationship. He can put it back together when everybody else said it never work. See, it's who you surrender and give control of your mind to. He said, I'm the God who heard your cries in Egypt. He said, I'm the God of part of the Red Sea. I'm the God who gave you manna from heaven. I'm the God who gave you water from the rock. I'm the God who, who, who fought your enemy, took care of your enemy when you couldn't take care of your enemy. I, I'm the God who destroyed them. I'm the God who led you all this way. How could you ever surrender yourself to someone who has never done anything for you? You never heard your cry. You never heard your prayers. Why? Psalm 115 says, the idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. Ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they utter, mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts them. It's very clear. Don't do it. Neither should we. Every morning in 2017, you need to wake up. I need to wake up. And I need to make a decision. Who is going to control my life today? I worried about that thing all night, God. You're going to worry about it all day? It's an idol. You've allowed it to be an idol. But you start your day out from the very beginning. God, I'm not going to let that thing consume my mind. I'm not going to allow that broken relationship to hinder me from doing what you want me to do today. Whatever it might be, you bring it before God. And you say from the beginning, God, you are sovereign over all. You are the king of the universe. You are my king. Lord, I set my affections on you. I'm going to look to you today. You do that in the morning and look what your day will look like. Blessing. Good will come your way. It's important. You don't know what's going to come that day. There are too many uncertainties. There are too many uncertainties for you not to give God sovereign control of your life. Every morning, I need to make that decision. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.